This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me bring in Britt Dixon, who is a reporter with CHH. Britt, thanks for doing this tonight. Let me see if I, if I got... Uh, hello? Hi. There. Sorry. The buttons. I'm, I'm goofing up the buttons again. Uh, Britt Dixon from CHCH uh, was doing a report at Mohawk College yesterday and as has happened a few times, probably more than a few times now, to I think always female reporters who, and it's always TV reporters. I think I've never heard of it happening to a newspaper or radio journalist. Somebody walks by and yells out an offensive, sexualized comment, and you were the recipient of that one. In fact, twice yesterday, I understand. Yeah, it was actually Tuesday. I was at Mohawk um, talking to students who were returning to class following the faculty strike. And I was uh, just interviewing students, getting their reaction about being back in class. And someone walked behind me in the middle of an interview and said, um, F her right in the P. And it's something that we've heard. It's been going on for years. Um, it's something that we hear often happens to female reporters, television reporters. Um, it started as an, as an Internet prank in the States. And um, for some reason, people still think that this is funny. And then it happened again um, that same day at 6 o'clock, about 30 seconds before I was set to do a live hit, um, also outside of Mohawk, someone drove by in a car and yelled the same thing. And, you know, at that point, I was shocked that it not only happened once, but twice in one day and um, sort of, you know, started thinking about it and realized uh, how angry I actually was at it and how sick I was of hearing it. So, you know, I took to Twitter and, and put my thoughts out there about, you know, what had happened to me and how I thought it was pretty uh, unfortunate and unacceptable. Well, here's what I don't get about it. Now, I, I mean, obviously, it, it is ridiculous, and we'll talk about that in a second. I don't get the humor in it. Like, I don't understand. I, I understand it was supposed to be some sort of internet joke or something, but I don't, I, you know, I'm a pretty funny guy. I like to laugh. I, I don't get the funny part of it. I don't understand where it's supposed to be humorous. Uh, and, and that's right. It's not funny, and I don't know why people think it's funny. It's it's offensive, and it's unnerving, and it's rude, and, you know, I, I don't think... Like, I would never say those words to someone. I don't think people would say those to other people who are doing their job. And the fact is, it happens when we are doing our jobs. Um, you know, I don't go into my workplace every day and, like, sit at an office. I'm out in the field. My workplace is, you know, being out at the college, being out in the city, talking to people. That's me in my workplace doing my job. And for this to happen while I'm, you know, being a professional and doing what I'm being paid to do, often covering sensitive stories, um, you know, it's it's pretty unbelievable that people would think that that's funny. Well, the other part about this, Britt, that I'm really shocked by, if people may remember, even if they're not familiar with the saying or if they're not familiar with your particular case, most people are going to remember that it was probably, what, it was a year ago, maybe, at the uh, TFC game down in Toronto? 2015. 2015. Okay, to more than a year ago. And this happened, and it was a hydro employee, as mm-hmm. I recall. And he, it became very well publicized, and he lost his job temporarily. I think he got it back. Mm-hmm. But, he did, yeah. But the fact was, this was such a, an, a, a lesson, I thought, that, okay, you know what? He was an idiot, and he paid mm-hmm. for his idiocy. And there are consequences. And right? there are consequences, yeah. but mm-hmm. nobody's going to be dumb enough to do this again now, particularly when... This is the part that I really don't understand. The people they always seem to do this to are reporters who have a camera rolling, which right. really shows the idiocy of the people. You've now got evidence. Like, do, That's if, right. If, you were really in, if this really had to be done, if there was something compelling you beyond all things, do it to someone who doesn't have a camera rolling on you to be able to show who they are. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't and a lot really... of times it happens when people are driving by in a car, and, you know, you're out on the street somewhere doing something, and, and you know, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, I think that they're cowards. They're driving by in the car and yelling it and speeding off. Um, but, yeah, it does happen where people just will walk, walk right by you. And like you said, we have cameras. And my cameraman did. He followed the student and got footage of him that we've sent to Mohawk. I didn't send it to Mohawk right away. I tweeted about it. I said it happened at a college. I didn't mention Mohawk by name, but you know, social media, things spread quickly and Mohawk got in touch with me, asked if it happened there. They wanted our footage. They want their security team to look into it. Um, They've since sent out that memo. The president sent out that letter to students um, taking it very seriously. And I was actually shocked that it happened inside the college, you know, like more shocked than when I get it out on the street happening inside. Yeah, I that for sure, for sure. And, and here's the thing I want to ask you, and we only have a couple of minutes, but I wanted to get you on to do this because this is ultimately, to me, the, the part about this that I wanted to talk to you about, that was just the background, is you got some tweets in response to this, some supportive, some saying, you know what, suck it up. Just, you know, it's words, let it go. To you, though, and I assume because this is something that many other female reporters have brought up, what is the effect? Like, why... Very bluntly, why not let this one roll off your back like you might to some other insults? And I think a lot of the times we do let it roll off our back because it happens a lot. And then this incident in particular was taken more seriously because it happened inside Mohawk and the college has taken such a strong stance on it. But it really got me thinking that, you know, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't have to put up with this. Look at what's happening in the world right now. The attention being paid to this, the sexual harassment allegations. Yes, people might think that this is funny, but if you look at it, this is, it's serious. You know, it's, it's. And and for the backlash that I've that I've received on Twitter, most of it has been supportive. But people have said, you know, oh wow, someone yelled something bad. You know, do you cry when someone gives you the finger in traffic? Grow up. It's it's funny. It's you know, it's not it's not uh, it's not harassment. It's just it's just meant to be offensive. You know, and and yes, it is offensive, but it actually is harassment. So what is going on with this now? I mean, first of all, you did continue. You finished your, you know, when they say, do you cry when they give you the finger? You didn't cry. You, you finished your report, <laughs> no. as I understand. No, and I haven't cried since. You know, part of it was, <laughs> no, but I mean, they, and of uh, course. I, I want to stand up and, and speak out about it because, you know, maybe this will deter uh, the next person from doing it or make them think twice about doing it. Well, I you know, I hope so, but I'm 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 got to say I'm well I'm not really all that hopeful to be honest because again I'm uh, as much as it would be nice if that was the case the fact that this has happened so many times and people still mm-hmm. don't seem to learn and are still willing to I don't know what's going to happen if they find this guy if they figure out who it was and they could identify him and say it was this person I don't know what it's going to be but let's say he got expelled. Yeah, Someone... I talked to the president about it today, and he said, you know, that obviously there's a process involved if they do identify this student, and part of it will be sort of a, an apology and him accepting the fact that, you know, or admitting to the fact that it, what he did was, was wrong. And um, But I think, you know, the, the extreme would be an expulsion if he, I guess, said, no, what I, you know, I'm not apologizing for this, and what I did wasn't wrong, and then that's when they would look at the expulsion. Uh, just before I let you go, what of the people who have responded to you by on Twitter, either for or against? Mm-hmm. First of all, how many people have actually given you grief for putting this on Twitter? Many. Um, I would I would say it's probably like a seventy five or eighty percent of people are in support of me, and the rest have been sort of you know speaking out against it and thinking that I'm over exaggerating it. And 
the people who are telling you you're exaggerating, I, I hate to be uh, guessing, but uh, guys? Yep. Yes. Actually, I think they were all men. I mean, it's been hard to keep up on everything that's been happening today. I've had a lot of messages, but I think the majority of them are men. I, I say, Britt, I, what, I, what I just don't get about this is if it was funny, if it was something offensive but funny... I'm not excusing it, but I could say I could at least then maybe see how a young person would say, okay, you know what, that's funny. But I just don't see what's even remotely funny about this to be willing to take the chance to lose your schooling or lose your job or what. I just just don't get it. Mm -hmm. I just don't get it. Anyway, Britt Dixon, I'm sure you will be following. Oh, you can see the story. I'm I'm sure it's going to be on at 11 again tonight. And uh, you can see it on CHCH, and I'm sure you'll be following this. I appreciate you taking the time and talking about this today. Thank you for having me. It is, again, I'm just, I'm totally, totally puzzled by why somebody would do this. Because, again, I'm not defending someone being grossly offensive just because it's funny. It would still be ridiculous. It would still be wrong. But at least you could say, oh, that's hilarious. I didn't really realize there's something. I don't know what you might, how you might defend it. But there's just nothing funny about this. It's just offensive for the sake of being offensive, made doubly stupid by the fact that every time it seems this is done, it's to a female TV reporter who's got a camera rolling, catching you doing it. I I, I don't get it. Ben, help me out here. You're, you're a little younger than me. Do you understand? To the people in your year of school or your age, is this high hilarity? Depends on who you ask, because the way I understand this, having been on the internet, I don't want to say for as long as I've been on, because I know there's many people older than me who have been on longer, but the way I understand the phrase is it's like an inside joke, and that's the hard thing about stopping this phrase from being used, is it's an inside joke that is just going to keep being recycled. Well, it's going to keep being recycled, except for the fact, as I say, that it seems to only be done to female TV reporters. And so best I can tell, almost every time someone has done it, there's evidence of their doing this, which leads them to be in trouble. At some point, someone is going to be smart enough to say, you know what, probably not worth my effort. Besides the fact that you shouldn't be doing it anyway. But even if, you, again, if you feel some sort of compulsion to be offensive, probably not worth my effort because of the blowback that is going to come to me. And if nothing else, when you spend $4,000 on school and you risk all of that, is one phrase one time really worth that? Well, yeah, that's that's in the case of school for sure. But even go back to that one with the hydro worker who did it outside the uh, the soccer game in Toronto. Uh, now he got his job back apparently, but he lost his job for saying this. Is a job worth a phrase? Is a job worth the inside joke of a phrase? It's a it's a it's a fair point. It's a good question. What would be? I'm trying to think. Like, what would be the thing? that I would be willing to throw everything I have work-wise away for, what could I say that would be so funny that I know would be so worth it that I would give up everything to have that laugh from somebody who's standing next to me? And I'm really not thinking there is anything. I can't think of it. This certainly isn't it. I I wanted to bring Britt on because we've seen this elsewhere. I hadn't heard of this happening in Hamilton before. Then again, I've not asked all the 
female reporters from CHCH. And, and you know what? I should probably... I never thought, but I should probably ask people like Sarah Kane and other people who are the female reporters for CHML who have microphones at times and are clearly working as reporters. They may have had it too. I don't know. I don't know, but come on. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, that's really hilarious, A, don't do it because it's just ridiculous and wrong and offensive and mean-spirited and disrespectful to women, but B... Even if all that can't resonate with you and you still can't wrap your head around the fact that it's wrong, don't do it because it's probably going to cost you. If you can't get to the moral and ethical and intellectual part, just from a person, from a purely personal thing, just it's not worth it for you. It's not worth it. Anyway, this will continue, I'm sure. We'll hear more about this because if the person that they have on camera is actually the person who said it. And I don't know if that's the case, but if it is, uh, there's a pretty good picture of his face. It won't be hard to figure out who this is. I don't, I didn't see this, the film enough, the, the clip enough to know if you could actually see him say the words, but they've got someone on camera that seems to be the person they're identifying. I don't know if that's the person or not, but, um, that's interesting in a bad way. Don't do that. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. This weekend coming up, the Vanier Cup Saturday, the Grey Cup Sunday, and calling the Vanier Cup back in the broadcast booth, finally back on the air as a play-by-play guy where he should be. Rick Zamperin from 900 CHML who joins me. Sir, how are you? Scott, I'm fantastic. How about you? I'm good. Now, we were saying this before the break. Do you remember how to do play-by-play? <laughs> you know what, Scott? I was doing my spotting board, which is basically uh, a, a diagram and a list of all the players with their numbers and stats and weight and height and all that kind of stuff. And and I was trying to remember how I used to do them. And it, it, kind of, it, it was coming to me as I was kind of putting it together. So it, it looks pretty good. But the important thing is you had a great call for the touchdowns when the Ticats scored. But it's not the Ticats play now. You got two teams that are sort of neutral site teams, Laval and Western. So you got to come up with a a catchphrase touchdown call for each one. So have you figured that out yet? I've tossed a couple around. Uh, I'm not sold on any one. I think it just as it happens, I'll kind of just pick the one that I've been mulling over. Who who knows? Maybe something new will come uh, will come to my mind at that instant. I just think that. Uh, everything naturally uh, sounds a lot better than scripted. You'll hear, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite play-by-play guys of all time, uh, Dick Enberg and, and Al Michaels, uh, would, would always say, you know, never script things. Always, you know, uh, say something off the top of your head, and it's going to sound a, a heck of a lot better. So, stung by the stangs is not going to be the touchdown call every time. Uh, I'll, put that, I'll put that in the hopper. We'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what comes out. I don't even know what you do with Laval. You probably have to do it in French. Le boo! That's, that's yeah. hockey, but you probably pass okay. for it, you know. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, there's. I want some at some point, especially if this game, and I don't think it will, and I want to get your thoughts on this one, because you actually wrote today that you think this could be the greatest Vanier Cup ever, and there's, there's validity to that. But if Western starts to get to the point where they're able to do on Laval what they've done to everyone else, and I don't expect it, you'll have a chance to try a bunch of different touchdown calls. Well, yeah, the way Western's going, I mean, they scored 60-plus points in the OUA semifinals. They dropped 70-plus in the Yates Cup final. They reached 81 in the UTEC Bowl, the national semifinal. So 
I guess they're going to score 90 in the Vanier, and, and that'll be a lot of TDs. Uh, it could. I mean, I don't expect that because I think, I mean, Laval's defense is the best in the country by a mile, uh, and Western's offense is the best in the country by a mile. And are you a guy, as a football fan, as an aficionado of the game, are you a guy who loves, would like to see an 80-79 to final or a 6-3? to Do you like the defensive struggle or lots of scoring? You know what? I, I much prefer the defensive chess match. Uh, you know, every point is so critical kind of football game. And, and it probably goes back to my love affair with soccer is that, you know, goals are so precious. And I think points, especially in championship games uh, that are hard to come by, I just relish those kind of games because you know that, you know, uh, 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 an upcoming score, a missed field goal, uh, a goal line stand could be so crucial at the end of it all. And I, I think this game has the potential to be one of those type of games. I think both teams get into the 20-point plateau. Uh, probably not any more than that because they have two amazing defenses. Yes, they have two really potent offenses. But I, I think the the defenses usually rule the roost in these championship games, save for maybe a late touchdown here or there. And I, I'm expecting... Uh, nothing short of a, a great defensive battle on Saturday. I, I'm kind of surprised you actually mentioned soccer, knowing you're a big Italian fan. I thought maybe there'd be a moratorium on any mentions of that for a while, just <laughs> well, to be able to deal bit, with it. You know, Italy misses the World <laughs> Cup, yet the FIFA rankings come out, and they're ahead of England, who's in the World Cup. So I, I don't know. I've, I've given up on, on how to understand how FIFA works. Uh, yes, well, that's, that's probably safest. Um, yeah. I got something. I have something that I just wrote that's online now, and it's going to be in the paper tomorrow. And it's about Greg Marshall. And everyone around here in Hamilton knows Greg Marshall, Coach McMaster. Really turned McMaster from a complete mess of a football team into a national powerhouse. Then took over as the Ticats head coach and turned them around for a brief time. And now he's back at Western. It has always stunned me that as a head coach, he has never won a Vanier Cup. How, I've asked a bunch of people today, but I'm going to ask you, how is that possible that Greg Marshall doesn't have one? It's hard to put a finger on it because he's an excellent recruiter. Uh, his game plans are great. He's had superstar players at the collegiate slash university level. He's had all the pieces in place. He's had great teams uh, that have gone on phenomenal runs. And for one reason or another, they've uh, not got the job done. I mean, to, to think that even this program as a whole, Western, not winning since 94, kind of seems like a generation ago, and it really is. It is, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Greg Marshall has, as you said, has tasted success everywhere, but it has, hasn't has won the ultimate prize. And, you know, in, in that sense, I'm kind of pulling for him because I'd like to see him on that national stage finally hoist the trophy. He's almost got that underdog kind of role, even though he's built powerhouses wherever he's gone. It's really unbelievable that he hasn't been able to do it. I mean, you kind of compare him, uh, you know, in, in a player sense to a guy like Dan Marino, who was a superstar player, had superstars around him, but never really had that team that could win the big game. They only went to one Super Bowl, but I mean, it's only, it's almost a, a parallel that these two and many other athletes in the same boat have been unbelievable on and or on the sidelines that, uh, you know, that, that ultimate prize just kind of eludes them. Hopefully for his sake, uh, maybe Saturday is, is the day, and, and, and if not, uh, hopefully sooner after that. Well, and you know, it's what's interesting is everybody that I talked to today about this, and you now adding to it, it is 
when you start to think of where, what are the things that have kept him from winning, he has had, and it's hard to say this because, as you say, he's got great recruiter, he's got a powerhouse team, all these things. He's had terrible luck when it comes to this. I remember when he was back in the days with Jesse Lumsden, they would be on a roll and get to the playoffs and Jesse would get hurt or the offensive line would get decimated. He always had an injured team when he got finally to the semifinals. And then they get to the semifinals and he's playing Manitoba and that was before Canadian University football had age rules. Uh-huh. And Greg was joking today, he goes, their defensive line on average was older than the Blue Bombers defensive line. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. And like it's one thing after another. And I think you're gonna I think you're on to something because I think a lot of people, even if Western is McMaster's natural rival and most people grit their teeth around here when they think of Western, I think a lot of people are gonna be cheering for Greg Marshall. I think so, too. I mean, he's, he's such a likable guy, too. I know he has that intense look on the sidelines, and, and some players fear him. But at the end of the day, he's really a, a likable guy who, who knows and loves the sport, has given so much back to it, has developed some unbelievable football talent. Uh, and he's just a guy who, you know, every every Saturday in this case gets the most out of his team. And, and we've seen that over the especially over the last three weeks. I mean, I can't think of another – uh, U Sports football team come playoff time that has not only gone on a run, but has just absolutely obliterated the mm. competition. Now, some might say, especially last week against Acadia, that the competition wasn't up to snuff. Uh, but really, uh, you know, Western has, has taken on all comers this season and has blown them out. The big question, I think, and one of the big questions going into Saturday is, you know, this Western team has not really faced adversity in 2017 there's certainly going to be some adversity on saturday against laval which is another perennial power an unbelievable program you know how are they going to be able to handle that adversary that adversity i think that is a huge question that that they have to answer well and there's one other thing about that and that is that i think that the cheering for greg and the i think most people cheering in the crowd will be cheering for western not just because of proximity it was brought up today at the at the press conference, and it was brought up directly to Glenn Constantin, the head coach of Laval, that they really are across the country seen as the evil empire that everybody wants to knock off. They are the football Canadian University football equivalent of the Death Star. Yeah, they're they're the New York Yankees of of U uh, sports football. I mean, they <laughs> they only started in 1999, and they've won more championships than any other team that has ever played. It's unbelievable. Uh, they basically win the title every other year. That's that's basically how, uh, how it's worked out. They have nine championships. They've gone to ten finals. This is their 11th, which is second most all-time. Western's number one, and they've, they've been running their football program a lot longer than Laval, and this is Western's 13th uh, Vanier Cup championship. So that, that says a lot about what Constantin has built in Laval. Yes, they did have a, a different system for a while, and they still have some mega sponsors, and they raise multi-millions of dollars. They go to Florida for training camps and exhibition games, and they do all that. They have a, greater feeder, a great feeder system with CJEP and the, uh, you know, the, the precursor to university, uh, almost like a community college down in the States. Um, but when you look at this Western team, I think, yeah, a lot of the fans are going to be looking at this team, looking at Greg Marshall and saying, well, you know, we're going to cheer for the underdogs, even though they're the undefeated team coming into this game. And Laval does have one loss in their column. But I just think that, yeah, Evil Empire, New York Yankees, they are the hated bunch because they keep on winning. And, and case in point, um, there, there's a number of Quebec-based football players on Western. I mean, Greg did a phenomenal job of recruiting some of the top talent uh, in, uh, in Quebec. One in particular, Jean-Gabriel Poulin, who's the middle linebacker of this Western team, 
um, was recruited by Laval, was recruited by Montreal, uh, by Calgary as well, and Western. And he said, you know what, I, I grew up watching Laval, I grew up respecting them, but at one point I, I said to myself, I don't want to be with them, I want to beat them. I want to be on a team that takes down these guys, and lo and behold, he has an opportunity to do that on Saturday. Yes, and, and today at the press conference, the coach's press conference, again, Glenn Constantin, the coach of Laval, was uh, jokingly pointing out that they had it going pretty good when all the Quebec players would go to Laval, and now that people are coming in and poaching, it's getting harder. <laughs> um, let us jump to the other game. We've got a few minutes for the other game. The Grey Cup, of course, is on this weekend as well. Are you... I mean, we're always interested in the Grey Cup. It's a national event. It's a national sporting event. But are you deeply, deeply interested in this game, or is it less than deeply interested in this particular one? I think my my view is a little skewed because I'm such a, a football nut. Um, I, I, you know, this this is our Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the Grey Cup is Canada's Super Bowl. It may, it may not be as glitzy and glamorous. We may not get 5,000 media people on media day. Uh, but it's still our national title game. So whether it's Toronto versus Calgary or whoever, uh, I'll be watching for sure, and I'll, I'll be tuned in to who does what, uh, who, you know, what big mistakes are made, uh, you know, what coaches' decisions are, are scrutinized. I think it's just you know the the ultimate prize is on the line, and uh, I, I get tremendously excited about it. I mean, the halftime show is going to be, you know, it is what it is, the pregame stuff. But once. The whistle blows. I'll be I'll be tuned in to see what happens. My ex- the reason my excitement level I think Rick is down a little bit this year is because Calgary lost in the championship in the Grey Cup last year. I think they are so motivated, and I think the West is so much better than the East that I just kind of expect that while Western and Laval, I really am expecting a close competitive game. I don't expect the Grey Cup to be that competitive. I think Calgary is going to kill them. Well, it could happen. Uh, it, it should happen. But as we've seen in the past, especially with this Calgary team, I mean, look what happened last year. Ottawa wasn't really given that much of a chance, and they beat the Stamps. Even the year before, the Red Blocks weren't really given much of a chance against Edmonton, and they gave them a good run for their money. Um, I'm expecting Calgary to win, but I would not be surprised if Toronto wins this ball game. And I've been telling other people this week, my gut just says, you know what? The Argos are just one of those strange teams this year that, you know, Mark Cressman and Jim Pop come in like uh, a few weeks before the start of training camp and they mold this team. And, uh, you know, Ricky Ray is healthy enough and playing well. You know, obviously some clutch plays last week, especially in the fourth quarter. They have a decent run game, a defense that is playing probably their best football all year. I would not be surprised if Toronto shocks the CFL and takes down the Stamps. Now, I wouldn't bet on it, but I wouldn't be surprised either. A number of people this week have been actually talking about that. Okay, so let's say Toronto wins. Let's say Toronto does what you say and pulls the huge upset. And they're saying that would be great for the CFL because we need to grow the Argos brand. We need to get people interested again in the Toronto area and build up that market. Do you think that if Toronto won, it would have that effect, that it would bring new life and suddenly jam BMO Field next year with fans? Well, I don't think it'll hurt, but I don't think that's the magic pill. You know, we saw in 2012 this Argos team in the 100th Grey Cup win, and you know, over Calgary, home, yeah, over Calgary, and Ricky Ray's first season, and every, I mean, the stars were all aligned, and no one showed up the next season. It was just you know the the, the small group of hardcore fans, and, you know, and and those casual fans. I don't think winning Sunday for Toronto is gonna is going to suddenly vault them up in the stratosphere of Toronto sports teams that you have to follow and you have to pay attention to twenty four seven. It's just, uh, you know, right now it's not their cycle. You have. Oh, 
We just lost Rick there. Uh, we'll get Rick back in a second. It is not... Um, it is tough right now. We're just asking... We're talking about whether this will make Toronto a hotbed again. Let's say Toronto wins this this Grey Cup on Sunday. Will it make it a hotbed? If the, Will the Argos become cool again? And I don't... I'm with Rick. I don't really think that a, just a win here is going to do it because, again, go back to 2012. They had Skydome, Roger Center, jammed to the rafters. They had Justin Bieber and Gordon Lightfoot and a bunch of other people doing the halftime show. And it didn't have any lingering effect. There was none. So I don't know that, I don't know that bringing a Grey Cup championship to Toronto is going to make that kind of long-term difference that people are really wanting to see. Got Rick back here, I think. Rick, are you back? Uh, I'm back. Rick is I back. Think I just got... I think I got disconnected by all those Argos haters out there. That may be. Well, <laughs> listen, we have two minutes left, and I want to ask you about okay. this then, because this is the other thing that I can't help but feel going into this Grey Cup, that when you look at what came out of the East... And the way the Ticats were playing near the end of the season, it just strikes me that this Grey Cup is such a missed opportunity for the Ticats that that terrible 0-8 start put them in a position where they weren't going to make the playoffs. But had they, they may have been a really competitive team at this point. Without a doubt. I mean, 6-4 and four in, in the back half of the season, you multiply that by two in an 18-game season, and they're you know 12-6, and six, maybe 11-7. and seven. Uh, they had uh, a huge opportunity coming down the stretch, but they dug themselves too deep of a hole in the first half of the season that really they, they couldn't recuperate. Uh, with Juden Jones reportedly coming back next season, he's going to have a, a, an entire year. Mind you, the, you know, the personnel he might have might be a lot different, but uh, he's going to have an entire year to say, you know, this is my team. I'm going to put my stamp on it, and we'll see how they do. But, yeah, huge missed opportunity because you got the sense that this team could do some damage if they got into the playoffs, but uh, lo and behold, they did not get that chance. So, two games. Give us your winner for each game. You don't have to give us the spread. This is not a betting service, but just tell us the winner. Who wins both of these games? My gut all week has said Western in a squeaker over Laval, and uh, sticking with my gut, and again, I might have had some bad meals this week, but I'm going, <laughs> with, I'm going with Toronto in the upset over Calgary. Wow. All right. Because yeah. I'm going opposite on both. I think Laval pulls it out somehow. I don't know how, but I just they win every time except for that one game against Mac. Uh, I would love for Western. I'd love for Greg Marshall to get it. I don't know if he will this year, and I just can't see Toronto doing it. But I'm sure that on Monday when I'm back on here after the weekend, I will be bowing before the greatness of Rick Zamprin's better knowledge than mine, <laughs> who was able to nail both of those and call the games, and please, if it does turn that Western starts scoring touchdown after touchdown, Stung by the Stangs has to be one of your call, at least once. Stung by the Stangs, I will write it down. Just because it's so horrible that it would be perfect if it gets to like 60 points. <laughs> yes, it's, it's in the hopper. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's somewhere else that <laughs> flushes. Uh, Rick, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the weekend. We will be listening. Uh, enjoy the games. Awesome. Yes, noon pregame show. Kickoff is at 1. Uh, excited to be back. Rick Zamprin, 900 CHML, play-by-play of the Vanier Cup. And then again, the next day will be the Grey Cup. Le, le, cup, le cup Gris. We have to, it's Canadian, right? So we have to do both. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. The other day I saw this report of a study out of McMaster. Now, McMaster obviously does a lot of great work. They have a lot of great research. 
And very often, the stuff that they come up with is really interesting. Sometimes, I just don't understand it. But this one, I think I do. Because a new study says vigorous exercise, vigorous exercise, possibly can help with your memory. And what makes this, to me, so interesting is that this is a case where we all, or most of us anyway, most people are in a situation where they could do some kind of exercise that would be reaching the level of vigorous, I think, which means that if this is correct, if this research is right on, almost everybody could do something to help their memory. It's not something, it doesn't have to climb Mount Everest or something. It's doable, it seems. Now, I should point out that I lined up this interview yesterday and today sent a reminder to the lead author, which probably was not me thinking very clearly because I'm sure she did not need a reminder because the whole study is about memory, and I'm sure she remembered very well. Uh, her name is Dr. Jennifer Heiss. She's the Assistant Professor of Kinesiology at McMaster. Thanks for doing this today. My pleasure. And you didn't need a reminder, did you? You knew that because... I didn't. I, I did my workout. <laughs> my memory is very sharp. <laughs> this is a really, really interesting idea, though. And before we get into it, did you begin the research on this with this in mind, trying to establish that this would work? Or were you doing something else and then you discovered this as a little side note? No, this was uh, the main objective. So um, we were building our study off of a lot of work that's been done in animal models, so rats and mice. And we wanted to see whether we could also find it in humans. So what they've shown in these animal models is that exercise increases cells in the hippocampus, which is the main center for memory and learning in the brain. It incre- and- sorry, increases cells? Yeah, increases the birth of newborn cells in this hippocampal region. So it creates brand new cells. Um, And in addition to exercise, cognitive training or uh, brain training um, in these animals helps to get those new cells into the brain network. So it enhances it in uh, another way. So we thought that by combining the two, the exercise with cognitive training, we might see even greater memory benefits than either one alone. Okay, forgive my uh, stupidity here, because I always thought that brain cells, once they were gone, didn't, that you couldn't add more brain cells, that what you had was what you had, and we only lost them. No, that is not true. All right. But it is, it is unique to this specific brain region, the hippocampus. Okay. So you're right. Uh, during development, there's lots of growth and development in all areas of the brain. And we used to believe that that only happened during development, but it's become clear that it can, you can grow new brain cells well into your advanced years. So older adults still develop new brain cells, albeit a little bit fewer. But this is where we think exercise is helping to improve memory by helping to increase the, uh, the, new, the birth of these newborn cells in the hippocampus. So what is it about exercise then that is directly tying to those brain cells? Is it the oxygen? Is it the, what, would be, what would happen in exercise that would tie into that part of my brain? Yeah, so this is an interesting puzzle right now in science, and we are not sure. So 
One hypothesis is this idea that more oxygen is able to get to the brain, and this is helping to support the growth and survival of newborn cells. That's one hypothesis. Another hypothesis is related to the stress of the exercise. So um, when we exercise, it is a, a stressor on the body. You know, your heart rate goes up. Uh, cortisol is released, that stress hormone in the body. And what happens is that cortisol can actually bind to the hippocampus. So um, in addition to being involved in memory and learning, it also regulates stress. So it's believed that at through regular exercise and activating the stress response in a controlled way actually boosts the production of these newborn cells. So those there, there are two hypotheses that are currently being tested by my lab. And in the test so far, even though you don't know exactly why, was the did it show that this kind of vigorous exercise had this kind of effect on everybody? No. So one thing that was interesting was that, so we had three groups in the study, two groups exercised and one did not. The two groups that exercised doing this vigorous exercise all showed improvements in memory over the control group. One of the groups that exercised also did cognitive training. And this is where we were hoping to get the additive benefit for this group. Um, because of the growth and the survival integration of those cells in the, in the hippocampus. But what we found is that there were, that not everybody had the same effect. And it seemed to divide based on how the individual responded to this vigorous exercise protocol. So what we did in this study is we had recruited previously sedentary young adults. So these were people who weren't exercising. And we put them in this very vigorous exercise protocol. But not everybody showed the same improvements in their fitness. So some people got really big fitness gains, whereas others didn't. And so we classified these individuals into the high responders, those who got the benefit from the exercise, and low responders, those who did not. And what we found was that the high responders who also did, who did the exercise, got the benefits from exercise, and also did the cognitive training, had the biggest benefit from memory. So would I, be, sorry, would I then be guessing that if I go to the gym and I see the people who are working out and getting and look like they're in terrific shape and have great bodies and are all the people that we look when we go to the gym and we want to be just like them, would it be a good guess that they probably then have good or better memories? It's, it's possible. Yeah. I'm just wondering <laughs> but, if one plus one equals two that way. Um, yes, so, um, but the hope is not all lost for people who don't feel like they're getting that same benefit. So one, one thing that we're going to test next is looking at whether for those individuals that weren't um, getting the fitness benefits from the vigorous exercise, whether a moderate intensity exercise would work just as well. 
So we thought that this high-intensity exercise would be the biggest, most powerful stimulus for the brain, but it's also possible that we could get the effects with, uh, with less intense exercise. So we want to test that because it's a little bit more feasible uh, for a lot of people. Just to, to explain what that means then, what from your definition of what the high-intensity or vigorous exercise, what does that mean? Well, so we use this high-intensity interval protocol. So it's, it's called HIT for short. And it was a 20-minute bout. And it goes alternates one minute where you are cycling all out and you're, it's very difficult. And followed by one minute where it's, you're basically in a recovery minute or at rest. And then you repeat that 10 times. For a 20 minute well that's period. vigorous yeah that it's quite vigorous the, it's, it's quite challenging but there are people but again I mean as much as that is really challenging there are people maybe not to all the same exact level but if you go to the gym people can do that like it, this is not something that is requiring um, something that the average person couldn't do they may not be all able to do it as a, as vigorously as someone else could but you mm-hmm. but people at home could do this if they wanted to Yes, exactly. People can do this. We've done it with older adults as well, so 65 years and older, and they can do it. People have done it with uh, individuals who have had cardiac issues. They can do it. Um, They've done it with people with obesity, with diabetes. And so you're right. You just titrate the intensity to feel intense for you. So it's like a personal protocol based on your fitness level uh, at the time. Okay. So a couple things about memory that I'm really interested in with this then. Okay. Um, Could, because you're saying that you can regrow cells in this part of the brain, theoretically, now I don't know if this is the same part of the brain that would affect certain conditions like Alzheimer's or whatever, but theoretically, if a person who was beginning to show signs of Alzheimer's, if they could be able to do the vigorous exercise, theoretically, could this halt or slow down the onset of a disease like that? Yeah, so that's, uh, you're right on. So um, the hippocampus, which is where these new cells are born, this is the area that is most devastated by Alzheimer's disease and dementia. This is why memory loss is the first symptom uh, in these disorders. And so the hope is that by using exercise, we can help to fortify the structure within the brain and ward off some of these uh, dementias. Um, We've shown that there is an association between your physical activity uh, early in life and your later dementia risk. And in fact, it contributes to as much of your genetic risk as or to as much of your dementia risk as your genetics, hmm. which is for a lot of people very surprising that you can actually do a lifestyle activity, a physical activity to protect yourself from dementia. But even if the even if you're not protecting yourself, if you or your family member were to begin to see things that were concerns, could you begin doing this then to help yourself? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, even with people who have already received a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, it helps to manage their symptoms. So it helps to keep um, loss of mobility as a symptom, loss of um, acti- uh, the ability to do their activities of daily living, like feeding, clothing themselves. All of these uh, 
are benefited by being physically active, even in the moderate stages of the disease. The uh, next thing, could, mm-hmm. uh, is this to help, can this help recover long-term memories or would this only help you to be able to establish new memories mm-hmm. better? That's a really great question. You should come to my undergrad course in health psychology. (laughs) Yeah, you you don't want you don't want to mark up. You don't want to give a grade that low. I assure you, (laughs) it'll throw off your bell curve. So, uh, (laughs) no, I'm sure you're very bright (laughs) because they're very good questions. Uh, I I don't remember if I'm bright. I maybe I need more exercise. So um, the the thing with the hippocampus is it's critical for forming new memories. And uh, as those memories mature and the time between the the encoding of that memory uh, increases, the memories actually integrate into the rest of the brain. And so they get almost like transferred to uh, a more distributed representation throughout the brain and in the cortex. So um, there's a famous case of this individual HM, who had epilepsy, they removed his hippocampus because that's where the epilepsy was. He was no longer able to form short-term memories, but had all of his remote memories from childhood intact. And so this is actually a, a very useful tip for interacting and communicating with people with dementia. For example, even though the hippocampus is damaged and you could have a conversation with them and five minutes later they forget, if you start to talk about things that were important to them when they were young adults or when they were healthy, they can have a full-blown conversation with you um, and be fully engaged. Yeah, and so I, I, yeah, no, I watched, I think it was on 60 Minutes or something with the music, the, the, how, yeah, the, the, the effect music. that the music had, that a song from their child, from their youth suddenly mm-hmm, could exactly. bring them back. Now, I only have 30 seconds here, so just okay. one more. If I'm okay. in university or I'm in high school and I know exams are coming up in four weeks or five weeks, if I were to begin a vigorous exercise program, would it work mm-hmm. that quickly? Would it allow me to hold more memories and be able to keep things that I'm studying better? Well, we showed this in six weeks that you can engage in vigorous exercise and improve your memory. So uh, it's never too late for students to start. And in addition to the memory benefits, they'll also get the mental health benefits and stress reduction. So they should do it. I don't know why I'm not working out. It sounds like it's a really good idea. <laughs> get to the gym. Uh, I know. Get to the gym. Exactly. I, I keep forgetting, though. Um, <laughs> Dr. Jennifer Heise, Assistant Professor of Kinesiology at Mac. Really appreciate the time for doing this tonight. Thanks. Thank you very much, Scott. It is. Uh, well, th- there you go. So if you can find the time. If you can find the enthusiasm, presumably based on this study, you can help your memory. And especially, and I don't, you know, I don't know who's exactly is listening tonight, but if, especially if you are an older person who that part of your brain may be being affected, this can have a significant, according to her, a significant impact on your ability to retain memories and make memories. That sounds like something worth taking a shot at. It really does. I mean, it, it, it will be work because you have to have vigorous exercises, not just walking around the block. But you get an exercise bike and just pedal as fast as you can for a minute. Take a break for one minute and then do it again 10 times. It's exhausting, but would it be worth it to be able to have a memory? Hmm. I bet you, as we go to break, I bet you if you ask the family members of people who are suffering from Alzheimer's, 
They would say, if we had known this and this would work back when they were first showing signs, I bet they would say, yes, this would be worth taking a shot at. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900, CHML.